1: Hello and welcome to Footballers. I am your host Hunter and this week I am joined by the foot coach Steve Stokes and Matt Curran aka Matty Cakes on Twitter and Discord. Matt how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right man. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm actually enjoying FIFA these days which it's nice. I'm actually playing rivals more than I have all year long and really engaging with the game more than I thought I would at this time of the year. Steve how are you doing this week man?
2: Yeah, I'm doing okay. I've I've been spending a lot of the afternoon watching uh, tennis at Wimbledon. Ladies tennis, so
1: delighted to be here. What a creep. It's not very good. You've never once mentioned to me that you watch tennis. There's
2: there's a real dearth of sport available at the moment. There's really not much going on, so i tell you what I can get, and today it's been ladies tennis. Personally, I don't think it's ever going to catch on, but I'm sure other people might disagree. Why are you wearing sunglasses? Um, Because I'm too beautiful for you guys to deal with. Or his future is too bright. That's, that, Ooh. That is, that's actually an excellent song, Matt. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Is that
1: better? I'm taking them it? off. How are we? Yeah. Now Put them back on. All right. So this week, we're going to talk about everything to do with Summer Stars promo. We have a Team 2 coming on Friday, but today is Thursday. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm going to give a little update on the connection testing that I've been doing and share what I've discovered and what I've done to improve my connection and see if you can try to replicate that where you are to improve your gameplay experience. A couple of things to do with Weekend League, we're going to discuss the Euros, Copa, and and take community questions. Uh, first off, Summer Stars promo. These are special cards that have a one-time upgrade that's permanent. They're not dynamic. They won't change. What are some of these these top-rated cards in your opinion, Matt?
0: I mean, obviously, once you get past Messi Ronaldo, yeah. I, I I really want to try uh, Isak because I, I made sure I got his objective card, but now it gives me a reason to get rid of him if I do pick him up. Mm. Part of me wants to try that Laporte because I always feel like Laporte Should be a good defender in the game, but he's never quick enough. And all these cards are just outrageously boosted beyond belief. Basically, I'm looking forward to trying any of them, but I'm trying to sell whatever I can just to even afford any of them because my club's broke at the moment.
1: Yeah, they, they really have hit the market pretty hard. I mean, a lot of the markets come down significantly and a select handful of players have actually gone up. Steve, what are some of the cards you, you're looking at getting into your club well, if you have the coins?
2: Before we get to that, uh, it shouldn't really be an issue for Matt if he's going to stick to uh, what he said when we, we had a quick discussion during the week where he uh, had this idea. Oh, <laughs> you, you had this idea too late, Matt. You sort of, you messaged me on the on the 5th of July saying, oh, damn it, I should have I just used an all US Squad for Mm -hmm. the for the Fourth of July for weekend league. So I I think that's something that you should run with. I I don't think you should be uh you're good enough to be able to uh, to hit elite without any of these fancy cards, Matt. I think you uh I think you just need to stick with the USA idea. These are cards that I wouldn't ordinarily use because, as you know, my my squad is based on uh, this first owner, isn't it? Really, although. As we're getting towards the end of the cycle, I'm I'm thinking about bending that rule slightly. I have about 1.6 million coins kicking around. And when I look at some of these cards, especially with having a sort of Serie A heavy team, uh, the likes of Locatelli and obviously Spinazzola are quite appealing. I'd love to be able to work Calvin Phillips into my team. Um, We talked last week about how it was time that EA gave him a bit of love and bought out a card that was... Maybe a bit more reflective of his, of his actual real life abilities. So I'm pleased I brought that out. I think really though, in summary, it's it's back to all we talked about before that um, there there are so many of these cards available right now that it's just it's just another batch of really op monstrous cards, isn't it? So if you can if you can fit them into your team, great, go for it. If not, you know there's there's plenty of other cards that can do just as good a job. I would imagine.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at that Modric card for the price point. Right now on PlayStation, he's at 568K, uh, 97 rated center mid who can do it all. To me, that's a bargain price, yet he continues to drop. So I expect him to go up today going into Weekend League, but the trend is continuing to go down. So I'm going to watch him. I haven't decided if I'm going to play Weekend League or not. I have time this weekend, but we'll see. So they called this Team One. To me, that means there's going to be a Team Two tomorrow. Who do we. Possibly expect to be in Team Two after this massive Team One. I mean, what are what are some other standout players from this tournament,
0: Matt? Uh, does it have to be the Euro tournament? I get well, no, because we're right? in it. Yeah, so it, I mean, Neymar has to be in it, right? So I feel like he has a separate special card that just came out, but surely Neymar's in it. Gotta be. Other than that, what could you have? Suarez, maybe? Could any Suarez card be better than his Team of the Season card? I don't know, but maybe the only one I can think of is Neymar, really
2: are holding out for, a, for another special Philippe Coutinho card, Matt?
0: Ooh, I mean, I'd, I'd get him.
2: This is another sort of running joke for for pod listeners, just to sort of fully disclose. I've known Matt for quite a long time, and it's, it's probably for about three years he's been holding his coins just in case a, a special Philippe Coutinho card comes out.
0: Mm-hmm. It's all because, like, in FIFA 19, I think he had a foot birthday card uh, that was five-star, five-star. And honestly, like, cause I, I generally like Barcelona and I think that transfer was actually awful on a, a number of different levels, but for whatever reason, Coutinho is amazing in FIFA, at least for me. And so when he had that foot birthday card, he was incredible. And I've always tried to look for a card similar to that. And, uh, during the Halloween promo, I told Steve, yeah, like this will be a great time for Coutinho to get a card. And then the next promo would happen. And I'm like, well, see, this could be a Coutinho card because of this, that, and the other. And anytime they teased a Brazilian player, I was like, oh, it's obviously Coutinho." And we finally got one.
2: This is largely because you're you're a meta player, isn't it, Matt? You're a you're a skill cancel abuser and all that sort of uh, thing. You know the five no, stars. No, 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 tell no, tell no, people no. how good you are and be honest.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I, I'm not, man. Uh, I, we go. I, I've never hit elite one uh, technically, not even once. I'm always at elite two, hitting twenty six wins. Whether I lose all four at the beginning or lose all four at the end. This last weekend, too, I, I just played a lot toward the end and I ended on 16-0 and 0 or something. But I don't, I don't think I'm going to push for Elite One for the rest of this FIFA, just for a bunch of different reasons I'm sure we'll get into later.
1: Mm. Yeah, probably a lot of the same reasons we've discussed on some previous episodes. Mm-hmm. From watching the Copa, I think a card that deserves to be in Team 2 would be that Lucas Paqueta card from Brazil he's been involved in a lot of brazil's goals a a lot of the the build-up i mean he's there defensively he's all over the pitch you hear the announcers saying his name the entire match and um, i really hope he gets a card and i've used his team of the season card and it was pretty effective in its time when it came out so i think that could be a really uh really overpowered midfielder card medium defensive high attacking but he can get the job done at cam he's great on the ball
2: i don't want this to become a sort of recollection of the private messages that we've sent over the week, but we, we have sort of talked about the Copa America and what have you. And I think I was talking to Matt about it, saying that Brazil look a much, much more threatening side with with Paqueta in the team. Um, I think in the opening stages of the Copa America, there was just, there was too much pressure put on Neymar, he was kind of expected to, to play as a provider and the finisher, if you like. And I think it's just, it's freed him up so much more to have Paqueta in there. And I think I think that when we look back on the tournament, once Brazil have won it, um, that'll probably be the
1: the main reason as to why um, their fortunes have turned around. Yeah. He's a critical part of that team, I would think. If they're going to defeat Argentina, they're going to need him to, to be at the top of his game. Matt, you mentioned not hitting elite one and losing four mm-hmm. games at any point in time, we're going to get into the reasons behind it just for the listeners. Cause we've got a lot of listeners that are really competitive. What do you think are the barriers you're facing to hitting elite one? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a legit
0: question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm only laughing cause Steve and I have talked about it for literally three years, I think. Oh, okay. Well, so like briefly just for the listeners, give me like,
1: let's say your top three barriers that you're, you're struggling to overcome to hit elite one, because I, I can't even sniff elite three
0: well first of all, I'm sure you're an elite three player hunter uh you're very nice ability <laughs> probably ability, but uh it's it's normally um like everybody says it, but it really is just a lack of focus throughout all thirty games. if I play like I'm playing a pro you know every single game then i'm probably i I'll probably hit elite one once or twice uh but i'll try i'll just get bored and try different things or. Maybe my default setup isn't working, and so I come up with a different tactic, and then I immediately take that into the next six games rather than falling back to my usual thing. But beyond that, uh, it's probably time management because I was saying I went sixteen and zero this last weekend league. The, those the last eight of them came in the last like hour and a half to two hours, so uh, it's kind of hard to play twenty two games in a matter of an hour and a half. So it's mainly it's mainly those two things. Mm. And it's a
2: massive far better player
1: than he or i would ever let on i should just <laughs> add that really in all fairness yeah, yeah.
0: i appreciate that but i've no. seen
1: you play yeah. <laughs> and i mean there's a lot of factors right i mean for 30 games you're going to have a lot of things to overcome a lot of people can win every game but if your connection isn't consistent or you're going to have a bad game you're going to have a few bad games and if you start to tilt it's only going to get worse oh it's over yeah so that's one thing that really bites me is I'll have a really bad game and I'll carry that over into to the next one and the next one. And it kind of just compounds. Mm-hmm. The best thing to do is when you get frustrated, if you start mashing that stick, it's just to put it down. Uh, take a break outside. Yeah. Get some air. Shoot some hoax. That's right. Kill some shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to be participating in the Spanish Weekend League?
0: Probably on some level. I'll play it a little bit, but uh, it's going to be hard for me to get, what is it, eight, eight Spanish players yeah. on my team. I want to. I've been aiming to get Xavi and Iniesta in the, in the same team, which I already had the Iniesta. I just need to finish Xavi. But even if I finish Xavi before the weekend, that's, that's them two, Sergio Ramos, and maybe Lucas Vasquez. And so I got to come up with more Spanish players somewhere.
2: One piece of advice I would give um, is for people who are thinking of doing this challenge, just make sure that you are selecting Spanish players rather than La Liga players. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where perhaps you, you throw Thibaut Courtois in there or some other player and, uh, and find that he doesn't actually count because he's Belgian. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Very, very sage advice from the foot coach. Yeah. You've got already that. What our listeners aren't aware of is that this is our second take for this part. We had audio issues where... um, Sorry, everybody. Well, I'll just leave it there. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think I'm going to participate in the Spanish portion. Uh, Steve, are you going to be playing?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to be... I haven't played Weekend League for, for ages, but I think I might give it a go this weekend. And I think that actually... It's an opportunity to put yourself at a slight advantage by just using your your regular squad because these teams that are going to be fielding the eight Spanish players, they're not going to be the greatest of teams, are they? I could have probably done it, actually, if it had come up a week ago, but this week I basically sacrificed a, a bunch of objectives cards Um, in order to complete the the Sergio Ramos um, end of an era card which is superb I should add as well but yeah I've I've kind of butchered a lot of the objectives cards otherwise I think I could have put it together quite a competitive uh, Spanish team I nearly said La Liga again there (laughs) um, yeah no I'm probably going to throw it in with with Weekend League and it's kind of one of those things that you I I stopped playing it because I got fed up of the connection I got fed up of, of being dumped onto Dutch servers where gameplay was horrible and it felt like my opponent was being served the game quicker than me it gets frustrating but it's been it's been long enough now for me to have forgotten what that feels like so i probably need another four or five games of that misery just to remind me not to play again for uh for the rest of the game cycle
1: mm. yeah always the optimist always I can always expect that from you steve yeah it's, it's funny you mentioned the um the Amsterdam and the, and the matchmaking servers thing, uh, I have a little bit more information I just want to put out, you know, to build on last week's discussion on connection. Uh, I talked about putting up a, a firewall, if you will, a, a geofence around Mexico and, and these other Central American countries that I kept getting matched up with. So I, So I did that and I blocked, basically, I blocked Canada and I blocked everything South of the United States on this side of the globe the gameplay has been so much better. It's been so much more consistent. It is taking me a little bit longer to find opponents, but when I do find opponents, the connection is much more stable and it's more reliable. So I can go into a match knowing that I'm going to have good gameplay nine out of 10 times. And there is the one-off chance that I'll have a 0% packet loss game on a 14 ping that feels absolutely atrocious, which is still kind of, Strange and and we don't really know why that is, but I started installing uh, Wireshark, and I started monitoring my packet traffic via mirroring on the level three switch. I don't think your standard router can do this, but what I noticed was I was getting a in that one particular game and a few others that felt bad after the connection numbers were good, there was a lot of packet resends, and blocks drop Now that doesn't necessarily mean that the packet is lost. But it means that it's, it's, it's in some sort of buffer. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that's out of my control. So I'm not going to focus on it too much. There's other things you can do to optimize your network. And I'm not going to bore you guys to death with this shit. But if you are curious and, and want more information about how to optimize your network, join the Discord. You can find the link at footballers.com. Enough about Weekend League. Let's move on to real world football. Uh, the Euros, Steve, break it down for us these, these latest two games the semi-final matches, what are your thoughts?
2: The The one that's towards the fore of my mind at the moment is the England game, because it, it was most recent. And obviously being an Englishman, uh I probably took more interest in that than, than anything else. Don't think it was a particularly interesting game for a neutral spectator, perhaps. Uh, it's good to have that vested interest because it, it keeps you sort of engaged. Very, very South as we said on last week's pod but i think that's the nature of the beast i mean he's he's kind of nailed himself to the to the 4231 more or less i think i think that seems to be his preferred formation even though he went to to 3 at the back against germany declan rice and calvin phillips calvin phillips for me I know I have a bias because I'm a massive Bielsa fanboy, but um Kelvin Phillips has just been outstanding. He's been the player of the tournament so far in my book. Uh Massively overlooked. I tweeted out earlier the statistics saying that he had 37 pressures of Danish players in yesterday's game. And uh the closest behind that was Declan Rice with 17. So that gives you some sort of idea of, of the work that he's getting through. And I, I think he's slowly exploding this myth that he's just a, a defensive midfielder as well because he's... um He's, he's pretty much playing as, as a box-to-box. Box. If it was a game of FIFA, you'd have Declan Rice set to, to stay back while attacking and cover wings, something which I thought he did exceptionally well, actually. Whenever the fullbacks pushed on, Rice was always there to, to slot into that position. Um, and again, you know, I'll bang this drum again. It's, it's a really OP instruction in FIFA as well. You can get your, your fullbacks forward and get your CDMs to, to drop into those positions. As far as the rest of them went, I thought Sterling is looking better as the game's going on. I thought the, the penalty decision was an absolute disgrace. Uh, even speaking as somebody who's biased and, and wanted England to win, it was, it was pretty shameful. It, it would have been bad enough if it was awarded without VAR. That, to me, would have made it actually a little bit more acceptable. But to have VAR there and to have all the crap that we have to suffer um, in order for VAR to be part of the game and then still not to rectify a really bad decision like that just kind of rub salt into the wounds a bit i I, you know people know i I think it should go shouldn't be a part of the game tv cameras are there to cover the game not to be part of it that's that's another story for another day england italy looking forward to it i don't see england Winning, dare I say, I think that Italy are probably going to come out on top of that one. Briefly covering the the Spain Italy game, that was that was a terrible game of football for about sixty minutes, and then it just burst into life. It, it was excellent when it went to extra time. I was just thinking, great, you know, I, I can live with another thirty minutes of this. This quality stuff. I think really anybody who knows anything about football, I think certainly us three, Hunter, you particularly as a as a Chelsea Chelsea fan. As soon as you saw Maratta heading towards the penalty area, it just you—you kind of knew, didn't you? Yeah, it was just—you knew it. It, it wasn't going to end well. Um, and it's uh, speaking of Maratta as well—he he kind of encapsulated everything about himself in the space of about five minutes in that game. He scored the goal for Spain. It was a great goal. And then about two minutes later, he went flying down the left wing. Um, into the penalty area and overrun the ball by about I don't know five yards and just made a complete mess of it. you know like in FIFA when a player takes a ridiculously heavy touch maybe you've got a sprint button held down too long mm. and they just knock it straight out and Morata did that and he's just fucking abysmal but you know <laughs> hopefully this is the end of him conning massive multi-million contracts out of Desperate clubs, and he'll spend the rest of his career playing for, I don't know, Bradford in the uh, in League One. All right, right.
1: Yeah, he's definitely not an elite player. He's very average, no. in my opinion, but uh, yeah. he gets paid like an elite player. So that's there's that. Bronze three, maybe silver. I want to go back to the pen situation, though. And Matt, I want to hear your opinion on this, too, because a lot of people on Twitter were the English supporters, obviously, are going to see it. As a pin, because, well, they're going to be biased, Mm -hmm. most of them. And that's understandable. But as a neutral myself, honestly, it looked like a pin, in my opinion. How? His legs were hit twice in the area off the ball. They never touched the ball. It was a reckless challenge, in my opinion. I I don't even know the guy from Denmark's name. The first guy that swung his leg at him, the ball was already three feet past him. I think Um, it was Hans Christian Andersen. I mean, there was contact in the box, multiple contacts in the box. But to me, it's the dive. That's what it's all about it's the dive and it's not just the one dive it's the historical diving from players like Sterling and Harry Kane especially Harry Kane and they this, always get the call
2: it's this phrase he's earned a penalty yeah you, you don't you don't fucking earn right. a penalty you, you concede yeah. a penalty it's nothing to do with the attacking player the attacking player should be passive in this it's all about the defender yeah. right. the defender concedes the penalty and as soon as you're talking about an attacker earning a penalty it's yeah, gone
0: yeah i mean unla- unless you beat the defender and leave them like leave him in a bad spot and they pull you down i, I you could say that the attacker earned it then yeah and, like and if I, you mega defender and he pulls you down i
1: saw i think i think it was simon from uh, foot fanatic he made a really good point that if he doesn't dive there's no pin mm-hmm. and that's unfortunately true because you have to dive to get the call that's the state of the of the game that's the state of the officiating
2: But it's this this deception, isn't it? It's just intentionally trying to deceive the referee. It's absolutely that. Yeah. So how can you, how can
1: anybody advocate that? I don't advocate it at all, but I mean, it happens in all sports. It happens in American sports as well, but more now than Mm -hmm. ever. But I, I don't, everybody's saying that there's hate for England. There's hate for England. I don't think it's hate for England. I just think that people hate to see a game of that magnitude The way it came down, no one likes to see a dive, a penalty, and then a great save by Schmeichel only for Kane to get a second crack at it. It just leaves a a bad taste in your mouth as a spectator Mm. from a neutral perspective. I didn't like how it ended and I don't have skin in the game.
2: The fact that the rebound fell to Harry Kane, that's not his fault. I mean, that's perfectly legitimate. That's that's not a reason for any kind of beef at all. I think to be quite honest with you, I think that this is probably more of a a cheesy way to win. Well, it is. Yeah, but it happens. I, I, I think going back to what you were saying about England being quite unpopular, I think that's probably more of a European thing than it is a sort of Pan American or what have you think. I think that we're we're seen as being the equivalent of like a Premier League club that hasn't won anything for 50 years, but still considers itself a massive club. If you see what I mean, so I, I think we've got a bit of that going on, and I think that I, I think it's political a lot of it. I think that a lot of countries in Europe kind of resent the UK for the fact that we've we've left the EU and just gone, hey, look, you know what, you're all suckers. You're doing it wrong. We know how to do this. We're going to get it right, and to hell with a lot of you. So I I think that would, yeah, I, I can understand why why Europe isn't too keen. On, on England yeah. at the moment. But that said, I mean, they should be equally as as say uh, against Scotland and Wales, really, as part of the UK. But that doesn't seem to come across.
1: It always seems to be yeah. England that, that bears the brunt of it. But I mean, let, let's call this for what it was. I mean, England was they were the villains before this game even started because the entire world was cheering for Denmark for obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, they they were never going to come out of this smelling like a rose, no matter what happened, unless they just totally dominated Denmark and shut them down completely and blew them out, which obviously didn't right. happen. But I don't know, Matt, what, what's your take?
0: I was going to say they did, if you can say, deserve a win. Uh, I mean, I think England did deserve that game. That doesn't mean they deserve the penalty or anything. Which, as you said, like watch watch that whole play in live time. It. I mean, it looks like a penalty to me. It does. It, it certainly looks like it does. And yeah, and like the guy, the trailing defender shouldn't be throwing any legs at him or anything. Like that's just, you're asking for a questionable call at that point. But what blows my mind, because Steve and I have gone back and forth on VAR and like, I, I understand his reservations on it. I, it makes usual sense that like. It blows my mind that in a semifinal of any tournament or any game, really, but especially a semifinal, that you don't at least go to the screen. You no. know, like, I mean, if you're going to take a few extra seconds to talk to whomever, just go to the screen. You know, even if, even if you look at the screen and you're just like, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to overturn myself. Like, then that's a problem with the referee, but at least you're going to the screen. Like, it yep. is just, there's no reason not to. And now we're all left with, with the reality that it probably wasn't a penalty. And again, not to say that England didn't deserve the win, but it's just you'd rather them go out and earn it yeah. uh, properly than, um, than be gifted that.
2: Yeah, Penalties are just they're given far too lightly these days, in my, in my opinion. I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm sort of old enough to remember the old school football to an extent where you basically had to, to stab somebody in the penalty area in order to concede a penalty. But it's just, I mean, if you're going to give a penalty for, for touching a player's shorts... Which was effectively all that happened. If there was any contact there with Sterling, it was absolutely minimal. And it did it's, mm. it's it's tough to decide. If if there's contact there that, that leaves the attacker with no choice other than to hit the deck, fine, penalty. But if the attacker has the opportunity to maintain his balance and go on to create a goal scoring opportunity, you can't give a penalty. And that's that's really the the, the dichotomy yeah. that, that referees have these days. And it's this difficult. And players should not be making that harder for the referees. It's just it's not in the spirit of the game. This it's bullshit.
0: The thing that I'll say though that, that favors the attacker in that is that you mentioned maintaining your balance. I mean, there's there were tons of times I think it was in the one of the Belgium games, Lukaku's getting beat up. Like, I mean, they're 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 hitting his ankles, they're trying to push him over, but he's he's a strong dude. He's able to stay up. But like for anyone else, like the, these are actual fouls. Like in the middle of the pitch this is a foul like anywhere else. It's a foul, but if he stays on his feet, it's not a penalty, but if he just leans over and falls down, then it is a penalty. And so it's like, that's, that's where it gets like real shady. And that's why I I, I understand the attackers falling down, not diving when you're like hardly touched or not touched and you fall down. Like I'm not, I'm not advocating for any of that, but it's like if someone chops at your ankles and, um, and it's a foul literally anywhere else, why is it not? in the penalty area, just because you try to stand up.
2: If a player dives and it's an ostensible dive, it's obvious. And there's been a few cases of that in the euros
0: for sure. That
2: yeah. that should be yeah, a red no, card. That. that should be a straight red. They should be off. And that would stop it. It would make players think twice about doing it because it's, it's become a real problem. Yeah. And at this time to stopped.
0: Right. Just a, a, on the flip side, we would like, they would also have to start calling penalties, like standing penalties where it's like you're, like you're getting hit while still on your feet, but they, they call a penalty for it. Cause like okay. if, you, if you're lining up to shoot or about to set up a shot and then someone chops at your ankles and now you got to think twice about it, then it's like, okay, well my opportunity was just taken from me.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and I see your point, Steven, it's a good point. I mean, if you can stay on your feet, stay on your feet, if you go to ground, you gave up on the play in hopes of getting a penalty. That's not how the game should be played in my opinion
2: your opinion which is correct
1: for a change Anna. well no, opinions are, can't be correct that's why they are opinions <laughs> let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to the copa america did you guys watch the colombia argentina game i know i know you did matt yeah. actually steve i think you were asleep midnight. That- yeah but no, it was about 2 in the morning over here so it was a bit late for me that was probably the most entertaining game I've seen all year long. End-to-end, tenacious play. I think that was like 50 fouls. The referee looked lost and nervous from the start. He never had control of the game. Uh It looked like 11 players on each side just playing backyard ball, you know, in the schoolyard or whatever. And it looks like fun football. And uh yeah. it was very physical. There was a few dives and a few flops, but a lot of times when they went down, they went down because their legs were taken out. Yeah. I saw a tweet recently about the Copa Americas and, and playing in the Americas, and they were saying that you, if you get a three-goal lead, you're not going to have those comebacks in this league because legs are going to get broken after 3-1. You know, they're, they will literally mm-hmm. try to break your ankle before they concede another goal. So I'm yeah. not saying that's right and proper or whatever, but it certainly is entertaining. And it kept me glued to the screen the whole match Um, you
0: you can feel the passion in the games it may lead to dirty tackles but like you you see the passion and there's not even fans in the stands and you still feel it
1: right yeah you really saw an emotional side of Messi too that we're not used to seeing after Mm -hmm. they won that game which was great to see hopefully there's a turnaround Uh, when I saw it going to pins you know there's no extra time in Copa America until the final so if it ends at 90 as a draw you go straight to pins I was just thinking to myself god here we go you, you could see it coming. It's going to go to pins. It's going to be all on Messi. And he just, he, he couldn't have made a better PGA, um in that, in that mm-hmm. shootout. I mean, it was top right corner, lasered. The one who really impressed me is uh, Emilio Martinez, the goalkeeper from Ashton Villa. Yeah. I think he made three saves. I think he only conceded one or maybe two. But, he was talking trash the entire time, and since there was no fans, they piped sound in through the screens on TV. But if you can go and find the uh, crowd filtered sound and listen to what mm-hmm. he was saying, he was talking so much trash, staring them down, making these saves, and it was so exciting to watch. Just that to me, that's entertainment. and yeah, I made a tweet earlier in the week a couple of days ago about why soccer or football in the United States will never be as popular as American sports, and it's the entertainment factor. It's the, mm-hmm. the time wasting the, the diving. And I mean, yeah, we have flopping and stuff like that in, in basketball and they, you're starting to see it in, in American football, but it's, it's rare to sit there for two or three hours and watch a, a U.S. sporting event and not have anybody score. And then it come down to a, right. a a shootout, you know, so it's, it's a niche sport. As far as I'm concerned, you've got to have a real interest as an American to, to watch football or soccer but i just feel like there's more passion in the americas like you were saying matt i feel like the players have too much pride to sit back and park the bus and win on a dive and a penalty like right they'll go to the locker room with that win feeling like they lost because they they could have played better you know
2: having said that i I watched colombia and peru the game that i was giving the big build-up last week and it was dire it was absolutely terrible one of the worst games of football i've seen for a long time but that happens you know you get anomalies
1: like that. On the whole, the Copa America has been more entertaining, I think. It's just direct. It's attacking football most of the time, which is what you want. It's, it's what I want to see. I want to see goals. But then again, I'm American and I like the idea of the Super League. So You'd
0: like it if every game finished 16-12, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I prefer the sport to be that, that high scoring. FIFA maybe, but not, not so much the, the live sport. Well, Steve, do you have any questions from that Twitter post you made?
2: Yes answer I do. Um thanks for for bringing that up. I've, I've got them prepared here. Um they they're very good questions. I'm I'm glad that I put that tweet out. I'm glad you did too. Because they um I think it's something that gets very much to the point of, of what it was that I asked, which was um does anybody have any questions for the um for the footballers podcast this week and I think that they were Definitely. I've got them right here. Um, they, they, they were very much um, definitely questions. Buying time. Uh, which, which we can answer. So, without, um, without sort Further of. Further ado. Yeah, with, without sort of filling time, um, I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm just trying to find them at the moment. Um, I'm not. They're here right in front of me. Um, the first question that we've got is with the stats being so juiced right now, is chemistry particularly important? A card like Dumfries is so maxed out that even at four or five chem, he's an elite defender. For squad building purposes, should we discount chem to a degree? That's from Pajama Pyjamarama, Armor at Pajama Armor 81 on Twitter.
1: I think you absolutely can discount chemistry at this point of the game with the, the way cards are rated. Mm-hmm. I mean, all year long, I've played some cards on seven chem, even from the early months. I played Mane, Gold Mane at right wing for two or three months and never missed a beat. I think once stats get to a certain point, you can afford to not have the boost from a chemistry style or even lose one or two overall points. Mm -hmm. I mean, still going to be a great card, Mm -hmm. especially at something like a right back where you're he's not playing a pivotal role in your team. He's more or less just there to kind of facilitate on the wings and and ensure up the defense. I think that's a great position to sacrifice chemistry. What do you think, Matt?
0: I'm right there with you. I'm still superstitious about um, the overall team chemistry. So if the team chemistry is 100 or maybe 99 or something where you're not losing whatever it is that they explain that you lose there, uh, then yeah, yeah, you could probably get away with a four yeah. or a five. Maybe as a long as your team them. is on 100
1: chem, you shouldn't lose any chemistry points regardless of what the player chemistry is. Uh, right. There's a, Unless you're playing a goalkeeper at striker or something, maybe. But Steve, what do you think? You agree yeah. with that?
2: Yeah, 100 chem is, is the most important thing without a doubt. I, th- I think really that sort of I want to answer a question that wasn't quite asked there, but it relates. I, I think that this is the stage of the game where you don't necessarily need to mess around too much with chemistry styles. I think that basic is, is about as effective as you're going to find on a lot of cards. Um, and the thing to do here is just to, if you've got a card where you're wondering about how to get the most out of it chem wise, just go to Footbin. And you can you can put in the um, your team chemistry, the player chemistry, and it will show you how many points you get boosted according to each different chem card. So if you've got an attacker where you need to just max out the pace a bit, you know, say they've got ninety five pace, um, you could probably put a hunter or a hawk on it, but you'd probably find I don't know off the top of my head you're maybe getting a boost of, of plus twenty five points overall off that card you may find that just by sticking with basic, you can actually do what it was that you were hoping to do and, and get a boost of 50, 55 points on that card. So go to Footbin, check it out, and you'll, you'll find which is best.
1: Yep. Makes sense.
2: Anything else? We do. There was another question, which um, I, I don't know how Twitter have done this, but they, they appear to have lost it somehow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, these things happen. Damn Twitter. Uh, It it was along the lines of how do you play? What's the best way to play through delay? I Mm. I put something up about this in the foot Academy way back when Uh, the idea that you're better off just basically, but there are different ways of looking at this. Let's let's get that out there before we we come to answering this. There are a lot of different schools of thought. I think that Matt's might be slightly different to mine, not to preempt what he's going to say. To me, you're better Mm. off abusing the meta it's one of the few occasions where I would, I would encourage people to do it. Take advantage of the, uh, the through ball meta. Get your players running in behind and just look for those one-on-one chances and defend for your life, basically.
1: There is one thing I would like to add to that is I noticed that last week in league when I was having such awful connections and, and super delayed matches almost on a consistent basis is changing the... Um, mm-hmm. Pass receiver lock. Pass receiver lock. If you have it on late, and you're delayed you're going to struggle yeah so if you are delayed and you're having a problem switch it to early you can do that in game just don't forget to change it after the game because it will save and go on to your next game and a good connection mm-hmm. and it'll screw up your gameplay if you're not used to it i encourage everybody to try it even on good connection because you never know how it might help you i mean i like to keep it on late because i'll move that left stick last minute if somebody's really good at defending you know sometimes you got to make a call an audible make a change them so.
2: Generally speaking, you're better off with it on late. I think, in my opinion, but yeah, that's that's one example where uh, it could be good advice to change it.
0: Yeah, I think I think if you play really quick passes a lot, like if you say you're playing a narrow formation and you're passing it around like awfully quick, uh, trying to replicate, you know, the older Fifas of like really fast gameplay, right? I think I think having it on early helps with that because if you're trying to get ahead of it like if you're planning two or three passes ahead and you, and it's on late then naturally like me, and mechanically speaking that your left stick is going to be pointing to where you want to go next and if it's on late then it's going to just skip yeah. that and go there
1: and another thing you could do is, as far as a build up perspective on if you're having trouble with the through ball meta like steve suggested put it on early and play those triangles just make triangles go to the 41212 narrow or go to the 4231 and work the ball up the field using triangles. There's always going to be somebody to receive a pass, even if it goes right back to the person you just passed with. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat boring, but when you're delayed, you kind of have to take those measures if you want to get the win. Yeah. So take possession. Don't give him a chance to get on the ball. Can't score if he doesn't have it. Play those triangles, work them up the field, switch the play, hug the sideline, just do what you can to keep possession, frustrate your opponent, and try to nick a goal and defend for your life. mm mm-hmm. Bottom
2: line, unfortunately, is that there is no real successful one size fits all solution. So, if you've got a bad connection, if you've got a bad connection, you're up against it and you're at a disadvantage.
1: So, try and avoid playing on it, really, is the best advice. I agree. Last question we have is from Herman. Herman asks, What does aggression do for a player? Uh, Matt, maybe you or Steve can answer this one because I don't really have a definitive answer for this. What does aggression do for a player? high aggression versus low aggression. Does high aggression make you a better tackler, for example?
0: I don't think it's supposed to, but I think it does. Like I, I find that any defensive midfielder, any center back, especially just anybody that I have that has high aggression, like maybe they'll overcommit sometimes on on some passes where I miss, but um, generally I, I prefer having really high aggression defenders because I just feel like if their other defensive stats are high, then they just have a wider range of being able to tackle the ball. I don't know if that's how they designed aggression to be, but that's that's how I see it, is they jump on passing lines.
1: It's almost like they charge into the tackles more aggressively, right? So they the, it's yeah. more likely to make your opponent yeah. stumble than just kind of nicking away at it with his foot, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're running some they're running someone or yeah. something over at some point.
1: You can also say that with strikers too, like forwards you notice like, like Jamie Vardy is a good example. He's high, high. So he's got a high defensive work rate and he's got high aggression. He oftentimes will win the ball back on a deflection or, or a, you know, a bad bounce yeah. or 50, 50 ball. He's going to win it more than 50% of the time. And I think a lot of that is due to one, the work rates, which I'm a, I'm a firm believer in work rates. I think they're extremely important to pay attention to, but aggression is, is an added perk for a striker. Gives him that, that, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's still a trait, the vulture trait. I think Lewandowski had one for a long time, you know, where they would, a poacher, not vulture, poacher comes in there and just kind of cleans it up. I think that might aid Mm. in that type of play as well. But Steve, you want to add anything on the aggression side? You don't look particularly aggressive right now.
2: No, I'm I'm a pretty placid kind of guy. (laughs) Um,
0: Did you say flaccid? No. and uh, There's pills for that, you know. Aggression. They're blue. So I've heard. It's
2: about how aggressive your player is.
0: But what, what, is, what does that even mean?
1: I, I don't want to talk
0: anymore.
1: <laughs> I don't either. And that's good because that's the show. We don't have any more questions. Matt, appreciate you coming on, man. Um, it was, it's been fun. We'll I have to do this again, man. Steve, thank you for lending us your time again. And I'll, I'll see you tomorrow because we're going to be doing another recording with another guest. Anything you guys want to add before we close? Uh, Matt, if the people want to get in touch with you, can they follow you anywhere on social media?
0: Yeah. On Twitter, I believe it's Matt cakes, underscore, underscore M a T T cakes, underscore, underscore. And then on twitch uh if i ever decide that i'm gonna stream fifa again uh which may happen this weekend it's matty cakes but it's m-a-t-t-e-e underscore cakes uh one of these days i'll i'll uh consolidate all the names to where it's a lot easier to find
1: yep and matt plays a really aggressive attacking style of football and he interacts with all of his viewers all the time so if you ever want to see somebody play some good fifa and and have a chit-chat. Come join the chat with us. You'll see me and Steve in there talking shit back and forth until Steve has enough and bans me. Uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve, where can they find you on Twitter? At The Foot Coach. Super. You need to take one of those aggression pills. Flaccid. Flaccid. All right. That's the show. You can find me on Twitter at the hunter. the underscore foot, underscore hunter. We'll catch you guys next time. See you. Yeah,
2: bastard. Sports Social Podcast Network.